What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We are back after taking a week off. It's a solo game today as uh, you're just stuck with me, unfortunately. Uh, kind of real life kind of got in the way a little bit this past week and, and this week. Uh, you know, you, you have those days where you just want to go do race car shit with your friends. But uh, the day job, real life kind of gets in the way. So uh, that's why we were off last week. Uh, kind of busy at work this past week. And uh and uh, solo game today, like I said earlier, as Brad Brown, uh, Mr. IB Racing himself, is uh, dealing with some family stuff right now. So uh, we're wishing everything the best for him. Uh, he should be back next week. Uh, I know he wanted to be here tonight, but just some circumstances came up. And uh, unfortunately, he can't be here. So we're going to have a couple beers uh, for him tonight and uh, hopefully have some a little bit of normalcy uh, in this crazy time that we're living in right now. So uh we're going to kick things off on uh, tonight's podcast. We're going to be joined by uh, Jeremy Elliott, the proprietor of SprintCarLimited.com. Uh, for those of you who don't know, SprintCarLimited.com is one of the great uh, websites out there for unique, uh, original news from the World Outlaws from Pennsylvania. Anything sprint car racing, basically. Jeremy's going to have it covered there. Uh, he's one of those real journalists, not those kind of... Uh, Facebook, uh, wannabe, I heard this in the pits, blah, blah, blah. It's fact. No, Jeremy actually does the research. He goes out, writes some awesome articles, and we're going to be ta- talking to him about some news in the sprint car world. As we were gone the past couple weeks, there's been a lot of news ca- dropping. Uh, one of those things we're going to talk about is Kyle Larson Racing. Uh, the number two car on the World Outlaw Trail, Carson Macedo, is going to be folding up shop after the end of this year. Um yeah, so we'll talk to Jeremy about that a little bit. We're going to also talk about the uh, the World Finals, or as I should say, it's the last call now as the World Finals have been officially postponed until next year down there in Charlotte uh, with the World Outlaws, the late models, and all that sort of stuff. It's just too much uh, too much restrictions in the North Carolina area, and to have the late models come in, the sprint cars come in, and even the big block uh, dirt modifieds, which I do not believe they've even raced at all yet, this year and if they have it's been just a very few shows so just to get all that out there and some of the travel restrictions out on the east coast and uh in the northeast kind of makes it hard for everybody to get down to charlotte a little bit so uh with that being said we're gonna take a quick break like i said it's gonna probably be a short little episode this week just because it's a solo game and really who wants to hear me talk about nonsense so uh we're gonna take a little bit of a break and then we'll be back and we'll be joined with jeremy elliott from sprintcarlimited.com
All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. We are now joined on the hotline with uh, Mr. Sprint Car Unlimited himself, Jeremy Elliott. Jeremy, thanks for jumping on the program with us on this uh, Tuesday evening. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's been a hectic day, and uh, it's coming to an end, so uh, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, speaking of hectic day, I uh, saw that you just posted some uh, some breaking news on your website there uh, regarding Gio Selzy. It kind of looks like he's finally made – I shouldn't say finally, but he's made a decision about uh, – kind of his future racing plans for next year. It looks like he's going to make some dirt guys happy and stick with the uh, sprint car instead of going that old asphalt racing out there in uh, NASCAR land. Yeah, I think it's just one of those deals, like he said in the story, you know, he followed his heart, did a lot of soul searching this year, which I'm sure a lot of people have considering the circumstances of everything going on. And, you know, the NASCAR gig and trying to make your, your way up through those ranks is very difficult. I think it's not a... Uh, based on talent as much anymore i think we're we're all aware of that yeah it's about timing it's about money and uh i think geo's always been fond of dirt and running a sprint car he started a little over four years ago and i think it's i I just think it was close to his heart and that's what he wanted to do yeah definitely i mean it's it's cool that you know geo coming from uh from with his dad in in the drag racing area being fond of dirt, I mean, it's awesome that uh, actually, I guess the whole Selzy family you can see is is dirt racers now. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see him kind of shy away from dad's footsteps a little bit and kind of stick with the uh, the old dirt track uh, situation and scene out there. Yeah, I mean, Gary was uh, a world champion NHRA driver, a top fuel and funny car. And uh, Gio, Gio was really young at that time, but he was around for that. You know, his dad building uh, – building a career and being in the limelight. And I think like any 10, 11, 12 year old, uh, as Gio progressed, you know, through outlaw carts and and everything else, I I think he probably wanted to do the asphalt thing, but you know, you, you see it on TV, the glitz, the glamor, the confetti, the the big crowds, the the money aspect uh, as well. I think every kid, kind of not knowing any better or not knowing how difficult it is to to get to the the top level wants to do that and i think geo you know was one of those as well and then he got there he did some arca arca menards uh, series west racing this year he actually ironically wins last week and uh, i just think it was you know a little more maybe wasn't what he thought it was or wasn't to his liking as much as running a sprint car. And I just think he gravitated gravitated back to the sprint car ranks. And I think, too, KCP Racing was a perfect situation for him. I think if, if it's going to run Bernie's car or another car that's kind of like an in-between or bridge type of situation, I think maybe he doesn't make this decision. But KCP Racing wanted him. They made a commitment to him, and I think that went a long way to him making that commitment back. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that KCP racing team a little bit. Uh, they've definitely stepped up their game from being that little old Knoxville raceway team when they first started with Ian Matson driving. And, you know, they, they parted ways with Ian this year and, and signed Gio on. But uh, they built that team into a top caliber, basically world outlaw team. I mean, you got got a handful of guys that can run run that that equipment uh with the top tier equipment i guess it was what i'm trying to say i mean there's not many teams out there that have that ability to go out there have the best of the best out there and for geo to jump in that ride is is like you said a great situation for him 
It is. And I think too, you brought it, you bring in Tyler Swank. Uh, I'm, uh, and I know Tyler pretty well. And, and he is really good. He's one of the better, you know, crew chiefs in the country. I think he knows what it takes to be successful on the road, whether it's pick and choose all stars or outlaws, and, you know, look, a lot of different teams run their course. Uh, Ian Madsen was with KCP racing for seven, seven years, seven and a half years. That's a, that's a long time in sprint car racing. And I think, again, it just ran its course. Uh, I think they were looking to go a different direction. I think they found what they wanted in geo and, and now they got a decision to make. Uh, now that Geo's committed, and uh, I think they're going to do some testing. I think they're going to look a lot of different things in the team. Now the the decision going into twenty twenty or twenty twenty one is what do you where are you where are you racing? Uh, they they they're going to listen to the outlaws, going to listen to the all stars, going to see what the schedules are, and then they're going to decide what they're going to run. But regardless, it's going to be a hundred races. You know, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, you know, withstanding of course, yeah. but. You know, I think they're prepared. They're preparing for a, a full out assault on whatever series they run, or just picking and choosing. And I think they're trying to build a team for longevity. I think that's even more important. Here is Geo isn't just a one year driver. They like what they see in an eighteen year old kid who really handles his business like a twenty two to twenty five year old. Uh, if you think about it, he's the one calling the shots, and an eighteen year old. 18 years old that that's impressive to me he's a mature kid and i think they're building for the future and even though if you don't see a ton of wins next year i think this team is is definitely going to be a force down the road yeah you mentioned that geo's only 18 it seems like he is his wise wise among his years um like last couple of years i mean he's been up there he's made the knoxville nationals a main and it just seems like he should be a lot older than what he actually is. Uh, you mentioned that age, and it just it threw me off guard right there. Yeah, I, I think you got a couple good guys now like that. I think Buddy Kofoid. Buddy Kofoid makes his own decisions too, and he's seventeen. Yeah, so gonna be eighteen. So I, I and again, it's that California guys. I've I've been. It's not popular to say living in Central Pennsylvania, but the California guys are the best drivers in the country right now. There's there's. No denying that. I mean, Brad Sweet's from California. Kyle Larson's from California. Corey Elias and Geo, Buddy Kofoid, uh, Dom's had success. Um, so you you have these guys, and I just think they they started out there in the outlaw carts all together in this group that you have now, Rico uh, as well. They handle their business a certain way. And it seems like you don't have to deal with fathers or what they call as helicopter parents. So it's a popular term in, in youth sports. And I think Gio is one of those guys. And, and I would tell any team, if you're looking for, if, if you're looking for, you know, somebody, you know, a, a driver that you don't have to deal with parents, you don't have them, you know, hanging or hovering. Uh, those are the guys to go with. And, and Gio is one of those guys. He might be one of the best at that, talking to him as much as I have, and uh, Buddy Kofoid as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Um, but there's definitely a good youth movement coming out of California. Yeah, definitely. And it, it kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of, like, I've been I've been re, uh, digitizing old World Outlaw VHS tapes and putting them on, on just back up before I have them on my computer. And, 
they're I mean kind of like the early 2000s late 90s and you guys got like you have guys like Paul McMahon Darren Pittman kind of the older guys now but back then they were the young guys so it's kind of funny to see you know that that movement coming up now with guys like Gio and you mentioned mentioned Kyle Larson I mean Kyle Larson not a young guy but I mean you guys got that young wave of talent coming from the California area so it's it's kind of funny to see the kind of the uh the transition so to speak Absolutely. And I think, too, you know, just to piggyback uh, Gio, I think his dad has been through all of this. I think it, it comes down to parenting and how you parent. I think his dad's very no-nonsense. I know, I know Gary. Gary's a funny guy. I think he's a great guy for the sport. And I think Gio and, and Dom, and I just think they have a good, a good family dynamic. And I think they were, they, they're responsible and I think Gary doesn't make decisions for him. I think maybe he'd guide him, uh, but that's about it. But uh, you mentioned California, <laughs> that outlaw cart program out there at Lemoore and Cycleland, that's where it's at right now. I know central Pennsylvania is, is struggling with feeder systems. Uh, I think we're going to, in, in the East, are going to lean more on the 305 sprint car class. Uh, and there's a good group, good group of guys there. But I think these outlaw carts, I, I think that's where the talent's coming from out there. And I, there's still more guys to come. Uh, I know for me, as, as a sprint car reporter, I've actually had to make connections out in California to, to see who's coming up. You know, and then this year, for instance, J.J. Hickel comes out of nowhere, and he does well on the road as well in a 360. So – they're they're going to keep coming. They're going to keep pushing each other. Competition breeds excellence, and uh, I think that's what we're seeing out of California right now. Yeah, definitely. California is is the cream of the crop right now, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you can you can tune into like Flow Racing anytime. I mean, they they show weekly California racing out there, and it's always great racing. Well, I think too, they don't care what the tracks are like. If they're if they're rough, fine. If they're not, fine again. Uh, I think they see variety. Uh, they have a lot of bull rings out there, which which teaches you how to drive in traffic. Sometimes they're yellow fests. Uh, I'm not gonna not gonna lie, but uh, then you you know then they can go to a place like Calistoga that's bigger. So I I know when the California guys come into Central PA, nothing bothers them. They gas it up and they go. I don't think they care so much what track conditions are or if it's not smooth as glass because. They grew up on on goat paths. I mean, you should see some of those tracks out there. Oh yeah, definitely. They're, they're bouncing on the straightaways, and 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 some of the lower guys are weapons. I mean, you're dodging cars too. So yeah, um, I just think it's a great place to cut your teeth, and I I think it prepares you to run on the road. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's kind of switching gears a little bit, but we brought it up earlier, and we we mentioned it on this on this podcast many times that. Kind of money is the name of the game when it comes to racing, and we saw some news. I don't know if it was actually money that was driven by this announcement, but we saw some news earlier this week that uh, Kyle Larson Racing, uh, not Kyle Larson himself, but Kyle Larson Racing, uh, Carson Macedo's car, they are shutting down operations after this year. Uh, my guess, it's it's kind of a funding issue. It takes a whole hell of a lot of cash to run run this outlaw deal and just to run a team period. It does. I think it's a variety of reasons. I think to look, Kyle's going back to NASCAR. We all know it. And I think UPA guys are probably thankful for that. But it doesn't matter to me either way. (laughs) I don't, 
Look, it doesn't matter who wins to me. I, I catch some flack because I'm not partial to the locals. I, I cover it like I cover it. So, but I think I'm sure there's drivers here though that are. Happy. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think Kyle's good. he's going to be back in NASCAR, and I think it. And this isn't going to be a popular opinion, but I feel it looks good, probably to those those owners in NASCAR that, or who will be his owner in NASCAR. I think it looks good that he has no distractions. Yeah. I don't think you're not going to see him run 20 races in a sprint car when he goes back. I think it's going to be about 10. That's the number I'm hearing. And I think it's going to be, you know, the Knoxville national is going to be two of them. So, you know, his qualifying night and his, and his obviously Saturday, Amen. So, I just think it's scaling back. I think it's positioning yourself uh, financially the way you have to. I mean, look, it's no secret. He sold, sold the uh, house. He's downsized. He's, uh, I think he's, the contract's not going to be probably as fat as if nothing would have happened and everything would have stayed status quo. So I think some of it's financial, but I also think some of it's appearance as well. I mean, I know that hasn't been put out there, but that's just a feeling I have. I think there's going to be some changes in Kyle Larson's, you know, what he can do in his extracurricular. So especially with the organization that, that he's going to probably be with. Uh, we've seen it before with, with Casey Kane. So you, you do the math there. But um, it's a shame because it puts Carson Macedo uh, out of a out of an established ride, but I think he's going to land on his feet uh, pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you kind of mentioned that it was an appearance thing for Kyle. I, I think it's like short term changes for long term goal. We it's no Correct. secret that uh, Kyle wants to go dirt racing, but for the time being, you know, not we all know NASCAR is where the money's at. So you go out there, you make your money now, you come back, and you have your fun in the dirt, basically. So it's it's a short term change with you know scaling back his dirt racing and getting rid of the outlaw team, but who knows 10 years from now, he could have a two car operation kind of like Casey Kane had. He could. I mean, that that's definitely a possibility. Um, look, a lot can change in 10 years. And I, I think both from his standpoint, I'm not saying his love of sprint car racing is going to go away. I'm not saying that, but the sport can change. He can change. Uh, uh, 10 years is a long time. And Hey, how, does this, does how much how good is his NASCAR career going to be? I mean, we we don't know that. I mean, people forget. And I know he was with Ganassi, and it wasn't the the best team, but he had seven wins in how many years? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's tough. And I'm not saying Kyle isn't talented. He's really talented. I mean, I think he proves that. But it's not easy. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, look, he's trying to provide for his family. I think he also has unfinished business there. I think he wants to contend for a title and I think he wants to show people he can do it, especially now. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And if he does have a team again, and the other thing is too, how's Paul, where's Paul Silva going to be at in 10 years? We don't know that. I mean, he has, he has a, he has a kid and I know he wants to spend time with him. So uh, a lot can change in 10 years. I, you know, I'm always cautious to to predict that far in the future. 
Yeah, it, it was just kind of a number I threw out there. But, like, you know, if 2020 has shown us anything, you have no clue what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, one thing I kind of want to bring up is your your website, Sprint Car Limited. I, I kind of found you back in the podcast days when you were on, like, Penn Live podcast. You know, you talked to PA Racing, basically, kind of out there. But with Sprint Car Unlimited, you, you kind of branched out and kind of started covering the gamut of, of racing, kind of kind of let our let our listeners know kind of how your website started and what what's your focus of that website well i mean when i was at pen live it, it started uh at local i took over the the bracing stuff from Jer- well really what happened was jerry regal was a long time a writer there uh, excellent writer uh he passed away well he went to area racing news and he passed away uh i was busy and I've been going to races for 43 years. So, but I was covering other stuff. I covered the NFL for five years. I covered a lot of high school sports, a lot of different things at Penn Live. So when through all the transitions, it only made sense for me to kind of move into that role. So they did that and started out local. And then I kind of, the podcast, I'd have national guys on and I did a lot of national news because let's face it, we all know it's about page views for daily newspapers and websites. Yeah. So uh, that's the direction I went. And then, uh, you know, like any newspaper, and, two, and that was probably 2012, something like that. And then as any newspaper is struggling right now, I didn't like some of the transitions, um, some of the, the personnel changes. They downsized, and I – I was covering four different beats at the same time and and racing was suffering. And and like I said, some personnel changes that I wasn't really fond of. So I just decided one day in November of 2016, you know what? I'm going to try this. I saw what dirt on dirt did and for late model racing. I thought, you know what? I'm going to fire in. So like a week later, um, I went to PRI. So it's actually, it was December went to PRI and, and, with nothing, uh, just a plan and went after advertising and the last four years, it's just, uh, kind of grown from there. And, and, uh, the idea is to provide sprint car rate racing coverage 365 days a year. Uh, for the most part, we get something up every day. Now, obviously, uh, Sundays I, I usually don't cause it's kind of a dead day, but depending on what's going on, but I'd say we get about 450 to 500 things up a year. So, you know, it's been, it's been going pretty good. Uh, we have a weekly podcast and, uh, some other odds and ends and breaking news is always the, uh, always the most important thing as always, but we do results. We rankings, I'll do rankings and, uh, you know, I have some, I have a guy in Ohio who provides Ohio coverage and, you know, I have some good photographers and it's just, like I said, it's just kind of growing from there. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned a newspaper covering racing. Uh, where we're at here in Lincoln, Nebraska, we don't we don't have that luxury. Uh, we have one sprint car track, and that's Eagle Raceway, basically, and we run a three hundred five series. So it's it's not the top dogs or anything like that. But I, I've been out to PA a couple of times, and your your racing game, your racing scene out there is is on another level compared to what we have here. So you mentioned the, the newspaper, and you know how everything is dying down and whatnot. Uh, with the, with your website, you, like you say, you're, you're 
breaking news is your bread and butter, but what do you guys do to fill in time when you don't have like the announcements, like what Gio announced today? Well, I mean, it's race results and just to, you know, like uh, if I cover the, which, cause I travel, I go to Kings Royal, I go to Knoxville, I'll be in Charlotte. Um, we'll fill in with, okay. Like if I do the Kings Royal, it's news results, notebooks, uh, sidebars. I mean, whatever you can provide, whatever the story of the week is, uh, that's what you go with. It's, it's, I cover it like a newspaper. Um, I don't, I don't really do it necessarily like racing outlets, not, not to disparage any of them, but to me, uh, you can't, people want their news now. They don't want it four or five days from now. The week's over. Yeah. Once the weekend's passed, people don't care. Yeah, welcome they to the world. Of, welcome to the world of instant gratification. Basically, social media has shown that wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a fast food society, and so for me, it's if you know if you're if I'm at Williams Grove on a Friday night, the story's posted Friday night. I write right away, and that's the one thing I can do because I'm used to deadline writing. So then I'll do a notebook overnight. Like when I'm go to Knoxville, I'm up till five. 30 a.m. I mean, it's every day. I've never been to Dingus. It's, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've been to Dingus. Honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same game as you are. I'm a I'm a photographer is is what I do normally when I'm at the racetrack and and I get the whole cell phone photo and victory lane right away. But I've learned, you know, because of those cell phones going victory lane shots going up right away. I I have to bring my laptop and have a hotspot at every racetrack that I go to. So I can get out there and get, get the photos out to, to like guys like you, you know, you know, in the magazines and hose heads or whatever website that I'm, you know, sending stuff to, you have to get it out right away. It's imperative. And I think it sets you apart too, from, from other people. Cause we're still in this racing's behind by five to 10 years. And almost everything, whether it be safety whether it be, I mean, look, the NFL talked about concussions how long ago, and we haven't even remotely talked about it in racing yet, yet it's an issue. It's something I'm going to be writing about in the offseason because we had two guys here, three guys here in the last year, have really pretty severe concussions in Ryan Taylor, Ryan Smith, and Kyle Moody. Yeah, so, besides Dale Earnhardt Jr., I, and I really haven't heard anything on the national level about concussions. Mm-hmm. I've heard a little bit of with the podcast that we talked to Amber Balkan uh, a couple episodes ago and she suffered a concussion back in, in earlier this year when she wrecked out at Grain Valley, Missouri. But other than that, you, you like like you said, you don't hear about it and we're 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 behind the times basically. Yeah, I mean look at drug testing. I there was a when I was at Penn Live, I did a drug testing uh kind of like a five part series. And then I got dubbed as the drug testing guy. Well, no, it's just I know that's what they do in other sports, and we're just way behind on it, and we're still way behind on it. So, and and that that's fine. Uh, I'm not criticizing racing. It's just a fact. So when there's still outlets that still or trade papers or whatever that that you get their newspaper four or five days after the fact. And I just didn't want to do that. I think it's important to get it up for next day when you're, when your readers wake up at 6 a.m. Or, or whenever it is, they need to see the story. And I think that's what, uh, you know, sets you apart. I know the all-star fiasco at Baps Motor Speedway, 
not this past August, but in 2019, I went to bed at 7:30 a.m. because I because I wrote three stories on it. You know, you talk to all the parties involved, and and you you put a package together. And when people got up, it was there. And uh, now on a on a humdrum night where it's just a regular, um, you know, result story, nothing happens. I probably put something up the next day. Uh, you can get away with that, but your big events got to do it right away. Or if there's something pressing, any kind of issue, uh, altercation or, or anything out of the ordinary, you got to get that up right away. Yeah, definitely. My wife is slowly learning that, you know, we might be at the racetrack for five, six hours a night, but our real work starts when we, you know, once that checker flag falls. So you mentioned, you know, yeah. going, to, going to bed at seven o'clock in the morning, it's like, yeah, we don't we don't start really working until after the checkered flag. So we're not out there partying. We're not out there dingus. We're not in turn three in Knoxville. No. We're, we're we're you know hauling back to the hotel to the media center wherever wherever there's a Wi-Fi connection basically to get you know the information out there. Yeah, I mean that's the hard part because there's not a lot of tracks that have good Wi-Fi where you're in the middle of nowhere. So that that's a that's a challenge. Uh, that's probably one of the bigger challenges I, I face. Uh, I have a hotspot on my phone, but if everybody's on the, their cell phones, it's, it makes that connection slow. So when I do video, when I do video interviews or do a pit walk or, or anything like that, it gets slow when you're working in premier rush trying to put all the bells and whistles on it. So, which we've started to do more video. So, um, makes it difficult it's part of the it's it's a challenge but it's also part of the fun in it and trying to pull it all together and and pull off a good product yeah definitely well uh, like uh, before we let you go um we we all know 2020 has been a crazy year um (laughs) (laughs) so uh, excluding covid excluding kyle larson um what do you think has been the biggest racing news story of the year uh, for for us and maybe the most underrated story well, I think the most underrated is how the outlaws and all-stars have pulled this all together because of COVID. You know, the the series, national traveling series, take take a beating because the expectations are always high. Uh, the And believe me, I've had my, my run-ins with the world of outlaws. But for all intents and purposes, they have done a great job putting together a 54-race schedule. And the All-Stars as well. They've done what they've had to do to get their schedules in. And I think both series have probably learned from it. So that's definitely the the underrated story of the year, in my opinion. Uh, because if you would have told me in May that we were going to get, or May, May or April, really, that we were going to get 54 races in for the Outlaws and, and the All-Stars were going to get a respectable season in, I would have told you you're, you're, there's no way, but they've done a great job. And I think you're going to see changes down the road from that. And I think it's not only going to be just scheduling and, and things of that nature. I think uh, I, I look for some purse changes to the good because it's, it's, it's bolstered dirt vision. Pay-per-views become huge, albeit I don't know really where it goes, uh, I think pay-per-view is, has been huge. I think that's one of the bigger stories. Uh, you mentioned as far as drivers, uh, the emergence of Logan Schuhart as a 
title contender is something that jumps off the page as one of the bigger stories of the year. Now, it's been a perfect setup for him. Uh, you know, you didn't have a 72 to 80 race schedule, and maybe that's helped him a little bit. Uh, but still, he's contending for the title. Sheldon Hodenshield was one of the bigger stories this year because I think we're seeing Sheldon morph into a more patient driver. If you watch Kokomo last week, that was a patience win. And if any driver needed patience, it was Sheldon. Uh, we know he's fast. We know he can get on the cushion and be exciting. He showed that he's growing as a driver last week at Kokomo, and, and now he has seven wins take Larson out of the equation. He's one win behind Brad Sweet for the most for series regulars. I think that's a pretty big deal on finishing fourth in points as well. So I think you have a good mix of some big stories. There's more stories to come. I can tell, I can guarantee you that uh, probably in the next two weeks sometimes or sometime in the next 10 days. Uh, hopefully I've, I'll be writing them. I know them. I just can't write them yet. And, uh, I don't know. I think it'll shape up to be a lead into a really good two, uh, 2021 season. Yeah, definitely. The rumor mill, uh, at least, you know, on, on my inner parts of has been going crazy with some, some drivers not being in, you know, a, a high priority ride next year and maybe some teams shut down and whatnot. But my personally, my most underrated story or underrated driver this year has been one of your local guys, Mark Smith. He's secretly, you know, knocked off 20 wins this year. He has. Now, my only, and look, I, I think Mark's a very talented racer. I just, the USCS thing, uh, I, I think that's helped. Yeah, it, I mean, it might be cherry I, picking I, a little bit, but still, 20, I, I 20 wins. Is yeah, 20 I mean, wins. 20, yeah, 20 wins is 20 wins, and, and, I, and he's beat, he beat the uh, ASCS guys. Um, which I, which I think was, was huge, obviously. Um, I would like to see Mark run more of that stuff, but he, but you know, he has a business too. He's, he's got to do what's best for Mach one chassis. I'm not knocking him. I'm just, it's just, it's, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's an underrated, I would say that's an underrated story. I think he could do it again. Um, if he notch 20 wins next year, I wouldn't be surprised. He has a good program. He's a good driver. And, uh, he's good at staying out of trouble. So, and he's become a better driver on the road. So he's been forced to find better 360 racing outside of central PA. I really don't know what the future of 360 racing is in this area. It is pretty bleak. Yeah. The same, the same thing can be said here in Nebraska, our, our local traveling 360 series. It sounds like the, uh, the race director stepped down and there's nobody there to fill the shoes. So it, it sounds like, uh, Besides, you know, taking the two and a half hour trip up to Knoxville, there you're not going to have 360 racing here in Nebraska. It's a shame. Uh, I, I think there's still room for good 360 racing in the country. Uh, I think again, California's stronger, but that's a different animal because the 410 guys cross over. Um, let's face it: anytime you have any series, any division, you need stars. Fans pay to see stars. It's it's it, spring car racing in general has become like golf and tennis. You know, it's built around the majors. The the majors are really good, and you have all the stars there. Your weekly stuff starts to see a drop off, yep. especially in Central PA, because nobody really cares about point racing anymore week to week at a track. So, I would like to see. I mean, three sixty racing, especially in this area. Whew, it's dropped off because Sealands Grove kind of kind of let them go and went to like a specials type of format. So 
It'll be interesting. I, I expect to see Mark continue to, to go down south. I, I expect him to run maybe even some more ASCS and and uh, 20 wins is, in 2021 is definitely doable. Yeah, definitely. And one one last thing, you, you kind of brought it up. You you've said you had your uh, kind of run-ins, kind of your beef with the outlaws. But as a journalist, uh, we all know the uh, story of Kevin Eckert getting you know banned from Eldora. How do you mm-hmm. go about writing you know a fair article you know, saying something, you know, that's, if it's, if it's, let's say if it's a shit show, it's a shit show. How do you go around, you know, writing something about that, being critical about a series or something like that and not have the fear of, you know, getting banned or blacklisted from a track or a series or anything like that. I know personally myself, I've spouted off and said something about the ASDS at one point and I was kicked out of ASDS races for about 10 years. Thankfully that's changed now, but, uh, But I mean, it's it's a constant kind of. I mean, we're a niche sport, so I mean, we kind of got have to please our, our our makers, basically. So this is how I approach it, and and um, <laughs> it, it it can be delicate. Um, I have a friend who runs Bass Motor Speedway, Colton Gauss, uh, and and uh, I'm actually I sponsor some stuff there. They and this is a quick story of how I handle it. So uh, they started late on a Sunday night and it was bright and sunny. And they started out at hour and 10 minutes late. I was, I'm going to I'm going to kill them for it. Okay. There's, there's no way I'm letting that go. And I walked up to Colton. I walked up to Scott Gobrick and I said, Hey guys, I'm just telling you come podcast time Tuesday. And by the way, at the time I was shooting the podcast at Colton's house. <laughs> so, so I said, um, guys, I'm going to crush you for this. That's what I'm telling you now. I said, there's no excuse. And they understood. When I do this, anything on the outlaws, I call them. I think the rule of thumb is if you're fair, if you're truly fair and they know it's coming, I think, I, I think you can pretty much say what you want because I think what throws people off in racing is when they get blindsided. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't said some things that people didn't know what was coming or wrote, written some things. However, anytime there's an issue with the outlaws specifically, I call them for a quote. I tell them it's coming. And they don't like it all the time. Uh, but I have a very good relationship with the world of outlaws. I have a really good relationship with, with most drivers. And the hardest part for me isn't that crushing somebody or saying something that you know i know is going to make fans i have to watch doubly because i have subscribers uh if if some subscribers don't like what i have said they might not purchase the website however my biggest problem is breaking news if i'm covering the nfl i can just break it if i'm covering racing it's a negotiation yeah uh pr people and pr outlets have made my job 10 times harder because they want to break the news for their clients. So I have to negotiate with um, this or that person. And like uh, Gio, I, I don't think Gio would be mad if I said, uh, I had to wait till he talked to Toyota. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Uh, it does, but it doesn't. Because again, if I'm in any other sport, I don't have to wait. No, there's you, no rule. You, you just there's fight. some rules. Yeah. <laughs> now you better be right. Um, but again, you, you know, you just got to be fair. Okay. You can't, I did this once. I made one mistake once I went to a track 
and had a bad day. Um, they ran really late, couldn't complete a lap. And, but my mood going in was bad. And it was when I first started writing back in 1997, 1998. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, I wrote this scathing column. And afterward, I got yelled at by the promoter. And that's not what bothered me. What bothered me is I probably was too harsh because of the mood of the day. So what I would tell any journalist is take a breath and be fair. I'm not saying don't write something, uh, but you, you better be fair. I think people appreciate it if you're fair. I think I've probably written something bad about every organization <laughs> or every track, but I've written good too. So if they know you're fair, uh, I think they're more uh, tolerant to, to what you're doing. And that's what I would tell people. I, I do not pull back on things. I do, I, because you can't be a good journalist if you're holding back or, or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it with, with the building relationships, like promoters and tracks, they know if they screwed yeah. up, they screwed up. They know yeah. it's going to come. I mean, I, I've, I'll, I'll throw Eagle Raceway, for example, earlier this year, we had the, uh, the IMCA, uh, race saver nationals, which is the, uh, big yep. 305 race yep. out there. And I had the radio or the race saver receiver on and I'm listening to the radio and uh, the track promoter, Roger Hayden, he completely overwatered the track. So mm-hmm. he's out there for an hour, just rolling in, rolling in. And you hear him on, on the thing, you know, guys, I'm sorry, this is on me, blah, 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 blah. And he knew that he screwed up. So, I mean, I think building the relationships when, you know, the news came out that, Oh, Eagle raceway is an hour and a half behind because, well, you know, the track was over water, blah, 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 and whatnot. I think the building relationships and, and, and the fact that they know if they screwed up or something's wrong, and as long as you know, you don't throw them under the bus, basically, I think I think everything should be okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you go to them at that point and say, look, I, I got to write about this. I mean, I've done that. I mean, uh, tonight was a perfect example. I did my podcast tonight. It'll be released tomorrow morning. We had C.J. Larry on. That's the first that I know of. The first interview with C.J. Leary since the suspension by USAC. Yeah, he has. He hasn't made any news this past week, has he? <laughs> no, no, no. So we talked about that, and obviously the Alex Bowman thing. But when I was prepping beforehand, I got him on the phone. I said, "Yeah," I said, "C.J., I've got to ask you about the USAC thing." I said, "I can't avoid it," and he said, "No problem." He said, "I, I, I just said, look, I want to hear your side of the story." It was a really what I thought I was surprised with how much he gave us and uh, it'll be released tomorrow. So you just got to build relationships. It's so important. And guess what? Sometimes people are going to be mad at you. It's, (laughs) you know, it's you better have a thick skin. Uh, But I know a lot of outlets that won't touch a lot of stuff. They, They just and I think that's I think it's disingenuous. And I think. For people to think that everything's happy, joy, joy, and rainbows and unicorns is, I just find that to be ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think they're not can, living in 2020 if they, everything's, you know, unicorns and butterflies. And, and look, I'm not saying uh, be like Chaz Thompson. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying uh, you know, you, you just got to be fair. And I think, too, as a journalist, you have any journalist has a responsibility to bring up certain things in the hopes of change. Like I've been on the safety thing for three, 
probably three years. Yeah, if not and, more. I, I've I've known you know from reading your articles and listening to the podcast, safety's has always been a big deal with you. Yeah, and and the thing is, I don't think it's any better. <laughs> so I'll, I'll even go so far as to say that uh, I think there when when there's a when there's a car in the fence and they race, which was last year. That's a problem, and I killed the outlaws over that. And I took, and they were mad, and I said, well, did you race with it in a fence? And I said, yeah. I said, well, I can't help yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> earlier, earlier last year, uh, USAC was, they were doing their, their Midwest midget swing, and they, they went to a track, and it was in kind of the middle of Kansas. It was like a four-hour drive from my house. So I'm driving down there, you know, then about 20 minutes from getting from the racetrack, I get a text message. We canceled for safety concerns. Well, I knew uh, for a fact going to this this racetrack, it was. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it was a shithole. Uh, yeah. there, there was no fence or whatever. So, and then USAC caught so much grief for you know pulling the plug on the deal. I'm like, well, if your track's unsafe, I don't blame him one bit. No, the the proper column is is applauding USAC. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was completely on USAC side right there. I mean, it, it yeah, it sucks for the fans driving. You know, it sucks for the teams driving down there. But if you know, you roll into a racetrack, you see some unsafe conditions. It's, you know, someone has to be the, the parent per se and say, Hey, no, this is not right. This is not safe. We shouldn't be here. Correct. And I think, and, and it, it's critical that all, when you're, when you're writing about something like that, you get the, you always, I always chuckle. I don't, I, people say, why don't you wear racing shirts? I said, well, if these two drivers get an altercation, I'm wearing a shirt of the one. How am I going to do that? <laughs> I, said, I never thought about it that way, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't, I don't wear racing shirts. I don't, and it seems trivial, but uh, you got to be down the middle. You can't. And if and one time, and I, I brought up Jerry Regal earlier, who's who's not with us anymore. Uh, he was a mentor of mine. He's one of my best friends. I learned a lot from him. We used to do this thing in area auto racing: is point counterpoint, and we where we pick a side on on an issue and the, what we used to do is regardless of what our thoughts we used to put it in a hat and draw which side we were going to do and that taught me how to write both sides whether i believe it or not so now i'm not saying i don't i write now about what i don't believe i pretty much write the side i believe in but you always want to get both sides you always want to make that one extra call and you never want to be emotional when when you're doing it because it affects other people. So you've, you've got to make sure you have your facts in order and you gotta, and you gotta make sure that, um, you know, you're fair. And you know what? The other thing is after the fact, look, we all make mistakes. Um, I've written stuff. I've written a couple columns where somebody came back and said, uh, you know, they brought up a point I didn't think of. And I said, you know what? You're right. And I, I have never retracted. I've never had to retract anything, but I have said, or on the podcast later that week, or in another or another column type situation where I, I wrote, you know what, I didn't think of this. I was wrong. Yep. So you got to you got to really be able to ride the middle. Um, you got to be fair, and you got to make sure you have your, all your ducks in a row, or or people are going to call you on it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to thank you for jumping on the podcast with me uh, with such short notice. Uh, it's been it's been insightful, and you know, for everybody that wants to hear uh, the uh, CJ Leary story, uh, make sure you check out SprintCarUnlimited.com. 
tomorrow morning, hopefully, when that podcast drops. Yep. I'm going to, in fact, I'll get off the phone with you. I'll turn on some background music and I'll uh, do all the editing and, and all the uh, bells and whistles because it's visual. Uh, we added that uh, about a, you know, almost two years ago where we're, we're visual now. And uh, no, it, it was a really good interview. And, and again, I appreciate being on the show. And uh, thanks for asking. If you guys ever need anything, just don't hesitate to call. No problem. Well, thanks again for joining us. And uh, everybody, make sure you go check out that SprintCarLimited.com uh, for all your breaking news, uh, feature stories from your favorite drivers out in Pennsylvania, World Outlaws, basically anything Sprint Car related, Jeremy's going to have it covered for you. So uh, thanks for jumping on, Jeremy, and we will talk to you later. Thank you. You take care. All right, everybody, that was Jeremy Elliott on the podcast. Make sure you check out that SprintCarLimited.com. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, and wrap up the show here in just a minute uh, with some uh, local racing news and some schedules and some other uh, just news in general. So everybody stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks again to Jeremy Elliott for jumping on the podcast with us. Before we wrap up the show, uh, we have a little bit of news for the local racing scene. Eagle Raceway has released their uh, tentative 2021 uh, schedule uh, earlier this week. Uh, Eagle Raceway is the season, or excuse me, Eagle Raceway, the place to have fun in 2021. They're going to kick off the season with their traditional open house on April 10th. Weekly racing is going to uh, kick off on April 24th, and they're going to end uh, the season traditionally with their Labor Day weekend spectacular with the IMCA Race Saver Nationals on September 2nd through the 5th. One big surprise is uh, no Nebraska Cup this year. Um, not really sure the reason why. But once again, like I said, this is alternative. Things can change. There's not really any big uh, 360s or World Outlaw races on the schedule. Uh, hopefully it changes. Hopefully, you know, cross our fingers, maybe we'll get a midget race. I don't know. Uh, it would be nice. And uh, earlier on the on the episode, a couple episodes ago, we had Sam Hayward Chief Jr. on, and uh, he knocked off his fifth straight ASCS championship this past couple weeks. Uh, from what it sounds like, Sam is going to try to do a little bit more 410 racing next year. Uh, I guess he said on Wing Nation that they're 
They they're probably not even going to have a 360 in the shop. So look to look to see Sam, you know, jump on that 410 scene a little bit more, uh, running some All Stars, Outlaws, and whatever he can get his uh, get that tow rig into the racetrack and uh, rip some laps. Um, Then finally, on a sad note, uh, we're going to end the program with the the passing of Crew Chief Kenny Woodruff. A lot of you might uh, a lot of you might know him from his time when he was with Donnie Shots when Donnie was uh, kicking off his uh, World Outlaws season not season but his rule outlaw career uh he's also worked with uh dave blaney and then most recently that i know of uh he teamed up with natalie say when she was running the ascs midwest uh midwest series and he they won a championship on, i want to say 2007 2008 something like that uh he had a little bit of a battle with als uh that shit sucks uh so uh, our thoughts and prayers are with kenny his friends and his family at this time and with that, I want to thank for everybody for jumping on the program with us tonight. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be back with our regular cast of crew with uh, over at the brew house with Brad Brown, Mr. Ivy Racing. Uh, I could definitely go through go for one of those quick time pale ales uh, tonight. I was uh, sipping on a couple Bud Lights and then I finished things off with uh, a little hockey thing. I had some fizz nasties, a uh, little. Uh, Pink Whitney with some uh, Bud Light seltzers. Uh, we call them the fizz nasty in the hockey world. So uh, if you guys like vodka, pink lemonade vodka or anything like that, definitely suggest you know picking up some Pink Whitney. Uh, yeah, so we'll check everybody and we'll catch everybody on the flip side.